Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. Today, as has already been stated, we are celebrating Pentecost Sunday. Some of you probably walked in here today and didn't even know it was Pentecost Sunday. And that's, that's a real shame. Evidently, the church has dropped the ball when it comes to informing people about Pentecost Sunday and celebrating Pentecost Sunday and preparing for Pentecost Sunday. We have no problem on the Christian calendar. We have no problem recognizing Christmas as the time when we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the beginning of God's plan of redemption unfolding. We celebrate that at Christmas. And then at Easter, we have no problem with that on the Christian calendar. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and our ultimate victory over death and the grave. But let me just tell you that just as important as Christmas and Easter are to our Christian calendar, Pentecost Sunday is important. It's significant. And the reason why is because Pentecost Sunday is the day that we celebrate the birth of the church. The birth of the church. And not only is it the day that we celebrate the day that the church was born, but it's also the day that we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to enable and to equip us to no longer, listen to me, this is important because this is what Jesus was saying to his disciples. He was saying to them that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is important because You are now going to be going from being spectators. You've been watching me for the most part do ministry. But now it's time for you to go from being spectators to being participators in fulfilling the mission that I'm going to give you. And he said, I'm going through the power of the Holy Spirit is going to enable and equip you to fulfill the mission that I'm going to give to you. Now, let me tell you something about Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is not just something Pentecostal people celebrate. We need to get that because I think sometimes we have laid a claim to Pentecost Sunday as Pentecostals as if it were hours and hours alone. But that's not true. You've got to understand that the Pentecostal movement that you and I are a part of did not emerge into its fullness until the turn of the 20th century at what was called the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, California. Pentecost Sunday is actually 1,900 years older than the Pentecostal movement or 1,900 years older than those of us who identify as Pentecostals. Us laying a claim to Pentecost Sunday as ours alone, as Pentecostals, would be no different than the Baptists saying, okay, well, then baptism is ours. You know, and and, and nobody else can practice baptism or be baptized in water other than Baptist. No, let me tell you something about Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday 
And we're going to talk about it today as we talk about the power and the purpose of Pentecost. Because Pentecost, and, 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 and this is something that we really need to be clear on right at the very beginning today. Pentecost Sunday is more than just celebrating a day when people started speaking in tongues. Okay? It was a day when God sent the Holy Spirit, as I said, to empower, to enable, and to equip us to do what Christ had commissioned us to do. Now, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to ascend back to heaven. He's, he's now been risen from the dead for 40 days. Can you imagine that? And periodically during those 40 days, Jesus would appear in his glorified body, and he was recognizable in his glorified body. He would appear to those disciples, and the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, around verse 3, it said that he gave his disciples many convincing proofs that he was alive. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. The only convincing proof I would need is to just see him alive after he had been dead. But, but he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive during those 40 days after his resurrection. And toward the end of his time here on earth, right before he ascended back to heaven, he's having a meal with his disciples and he's giving them some final instructions. And here's what he says to them in verse 4. He says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Everybody say wait. wait. We aren't good at waiting, are we? They were going to have to wait 10 days before this promise became a reality. So Jesus ascends back to heaven after 40 days. 10 days later, this promise becomes a reality. The 50th day. That's what the word Pentecost means. It means 50 and, and as Jamie said earlier, Pentecost was actually a time, as we'll see here in just a few moments, where people from all regions of the world at that time would come together to celebrate Pentecost. And it was something that they celebrated 50 days after Passover. Jesus was crucified at Passover. 50 days later, there was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was also a time when they celebrated the first harvest of the year. So, so it was a season of harvest. And Pentecost was a time when the church experienced their first harvest because 3,000 people would have been saved on the day of Pentecost. And so they've been waiting for 10 days for the promise of the Father. Now, why would Jesus give his disciples instructions? Because he just told them, go. Go and preach the gospel to all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. And then he says to them, wait. Now, why would he say, go, but before you go, wait? It's because he knew that they needed something before they went. 
And he says, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized. Notice you shall, this is something that you can expect to happen in the future. This is something that you can expect to happen in just a few days. I wonder if we've got anybody with some expectancy here today. Some expectancy that the Holy Spirit's work is not done in you and the Holy Spirit's work is not done through you. That there's still so much more that the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you. Do we have any people with expectation today? God give us some expectation. He truly baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And then he tells them why you need to wait before you go. He said, but you shall receive power. That's something that you and I can expect when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. When the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us, you can expect power. And that's really, if you want to boil it down to the purpose of Pentecost... The purpose of Pentecost was to endue the people of God with power to do the work that God had commissioned them to do, to enable them and to equip them, to give them the power and the tools that they needed to accomplish the mission that had been given to them by Jesus. It's that simple. It really is. And he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall Notice, he said, this is something else that you can expect. Not only can you expect the promise to become a reality, and then when the promise becomes a reality, you're going to be endued with power. And then he says, once you've been endued with power, expect it, you shall be a witness. You will not be able to stop talking about Jesus. Oh, God, give us a church full of people who cannot stop talking about Jesus. Amen. And do you know that word witnesses there, the Greek word, it's the same Greek word that we get our word martyr from. That's why you need power. And he said these, to these disciples, this is why you're going to need power because you're going to be going into a hostile environment. You're, you're going to be going into environments that are going to oppose you. And so you're gonna need some power to be a witness because witnessing for Jesus could cost you your life. And he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. Notice, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That was the mission that Christ gave them. Take the gospel. To every person on the face of the earth. Make sure that every person on the face of the earth has heard the gospel. You know the number here. 32,689 people within a 10 mile radius of this church. And do you know what our responsibility is? Our responsibility is to make sure that every single one of them have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now it's up to them whether they reject it or whether they accept it. But our responsibility is to make sure they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, endue us with power. God, give us the boldness. God, give us the anointing to make sure that 32,689 people in this community have at least heard the good news, heard 
the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me tell you something, folks. We are nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember in Genesis 2 and 7, y'all gonna have to bear with me today. I ain't preached in three weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm more than full. You might be here a few minutes this morning. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God creates man out of the dust of the earth. But all God has when he creates man out of the dust of the earth, all he has is a body. All he has is a temple. All he has is a shell. It's only when God breathes into the nostrils of that man that he becomes a living being. It's only when God breathed on that man that he became living, that life was infused into his body. We sang about it a few moments ago in Ezekiel chapter 37, when Ezekiel was taken to a valley that was full of dry bones. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Ezekiel and said, prophesy over these bones and they'll come together. And he prophesied over those bones. And man, there was a lot of shaking, rattling, and rolling going on in the valley there at the the valley of dry bones. These these bones began to come together and muscle and sinew and and then skin was on every one of those dry bones that had been laying in that valley. But even though it had all come together, they were still nothing but a body. And so the Spirit of the Lord said to Ezekiel again, prophesy. Prophesy that the Spirit of God would breathe and that the Spirit of God would come upon those dead bodies. And the moment that the Spirit of the Lord breathed on those bodies that had come together. Immediately they came to life. They were filled with life. Listen, we may be the church of God. We may be the body of Christ, but if we're going to be effective, it's not going to be because of our slick programs and our nice facilities. I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to make an impact on this community, and if we're going to make an impact on this world, it's going to be because the Holy Ghost has breathed on us because he's the one that brings to life. Amen. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good praise in the house today. Amen. Preaching is dead. Preaching if it doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit behind it. Teaching is dead. Teaching if it's not infused by the power of the Holy Spirit. These singers that get up here on this stage, if they were just up here singing and showing us what kind of talent they have, it would be nothing but dead singing. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. Power in our preaching. Power in our teaching. Power in our singing. Power in our serving. Amen? so that we can live a righteous life. Somebody help me preach here this morning. This is Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah. Now notice what happens. We see the fulfillment of this promise in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, that day that they would be coming from every region of the world to Jerusalem to celebrate. Listen. Pentecost is not called Pentecost because that was the day the Holy Spirit was poured out. Pentecost was already called Pentecost before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's just that God strategically, and you're going to see why here in just a moment, because the Holy Spirit is strategic. Like some of you thought you just walked in here by accident today. Oh, no. You are here by divine providence. God sent you into this place today. 
because the Holy Spirit's strategic. And the Holy Spirit was strategic on the day of Pentecost when he knew that all people from every region in the known world would be coming to the city of Jerusalem. And it says that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, that is 120 of followers of Jesus, they were together in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the blowing of a violent wind. Jesus even compared the moving of the spirit to a wind. And when he talked about the wind, he says this about wind. He says, wind is unpredictable. And he compared that to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's unpredictable. I love that, that when we come into the house of God on Sunday, we, we sometimes, we, we may have a plan. We may, we may have prayed for some things to happen, but, but only the Holy Spirit knows when we get here what's going to happen if we'll relinquish control to him. Amen. And not only that, but here's something else about wind. You can't see wind, but you can see manifestations of wind. Oh, I'm ready to see the manifestation of the wind of the Holy Ghost blowing. Amen. And that's what would begin to happen. The wind of the Holy Spirit would begin to blow and there would be manifestation after manifestation after manifestation of the working of the Holy Spirit. But it says suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now remember, there's 120 of them in the upper room. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit was not just for the apostles. It was not just for the 12. There were 120 in that room and a tongue that looked like a tongue of fire sat on each one of them. And then notice what verse four says. All of them. Everybody say all. All of them. I just believe that every single person in this room here today who's hungry and thirsty enough and has expectation God's no respecter of person. He won't leave anybody out. He won't. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Look at this now. As the Spirit enabled them. You see, that's why what we talked about a little moment or a few moments ago or sang about a few moments ago, it's not by our might and it's not by our power that anything is going to be accomplished for the glory of God. We, we have to be enabled by the Holy Spirit. And notice what these 120 do when the Holy Spirit come upon them. They begin to speak in other languages, not unknown tongues in this occasion. They begin to speak in other known languages, but here's the miracle, languages that they had never learned. Now, if you don't think that's a miracle, you try speaking in a language that you've never learned that you've never been taught. And not only that, but speak it with the same accent. I mean, it's one thing here in the United States of America to speak English. It's another thing to speak English in the South. <laughs> Y'all hear me? And this is what the miracle of Pentecost was. 
they were speaking in other known languages that they had never known, and they were even using the same accent. And notice what happens here. That as they are speaking in these other tongues, as the Spirit gives them the utterance, or as the Spirit enables them. Notice how strategic the Holy Spirit is. It says, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, what's the mission of Jesus? We gotta remember the mission of Jesus is to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. And so God now gives them the ability to speak in languages that they've never learned so that those who have never heard the gospel can now hear the gospel in their own language while they're in Jerusalem celebrating Pentecost. Don't tell me that the Holy Spirit is not strategic and doesn't know what he's up to. And they were from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, that is the sound of the wind, because those in the upper room were not the only ones who heard that sound. When they heard the sound of the wind, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Why were they bewildered? Because each one heard their own language being spoken. And notice, utterly amazed. They were bewildered and they were amazed. Oh God, give us that again here in our churches. People who are bewildered and amazed because of what Holy Spirit is doing. And it says that a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking, aren't they Galileans? I mean, they're, they're shocked by this because Galileans were the uneducated. They were the unlearned. They did good to know their own language. And now, here these Galileans are speaking in languages that they've never heard. And all of these people that have come from every region on the face of the earth, they are amazed because these uneducated, unlearned Galileans are speaking in their languages. And even though those Galileans don't understand what they're saying, these people do because they're speaking in their own native language. He said, that's how each of us, or then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Now, 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 now see this, this is important. He says, there's Parthians here, there's Medes here, there's Elamites here, there's residents of Mesopotamia, there's Judea, there's, there's Cappadocia, there's Pontus, there's Asia, there's Phrygia, there's Pamphylia, there's Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, there's visitors here from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, that would mean Jews and Gentiles who have converted to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. He said, there are people here from all over the world, and notice what they're doing with they're, they're declaring the wonders of God in our languages in our tongues now you say well what what was the Holy Spirit doing here he was doing two things please stay with me here this morning two things that the Holy Spirit was doing first of all as I said he was being very strategic because his mission was to get the gospel to every region of the world. Well, now you've got people from every region in the world in Jerusalem, they're hearing the gospel, and so now they're gonna take the gospel back to the regions that they came from. Man, is the Holy Spirit not awesome? Amen. 
So he was very strategic in that. But more than that, I believe that the Holy Spirit was giving us a picture of what the church should look like. I was hoping to get a few more amens right there. That he's giving us a vision. He's giving us a picture of what the church should look like. Let me tell you something this morning. Please don't get offended. I hope the Holy Spirit will help you today not to. But I do not believe that God is pleased with all white churches. Churches who are all white. I don't believe that's his will for the church. I don't believe it's his will for the church for churches to be all black. I don't, I don't believe it's the will of God for his church to be all Asian or for his church to be all Hispanic. I, it's sad, but it's been said that the most segregated hour of the week is the hour of Sunday morning when people are at church for worship. That is not the will of God. Amen? I want you to notice in Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to the house of a Gentile. Peter's a Jew. And he goes to the house of a Gentile by the name of Cornelius. And when Peter walks into Cornelius' house, Acts chapter 10, verse 28, Peter looks at Cornelius and he says, Hey, Cornelius, now you know what the law says. The law says we Jews are not supposed to associate with you Gentiles. We're not even to visit y'all. We're, we're not even supposed to come into y'all's house. But how many of you know that Peter has experienced Pentecost now? And his heart is changed. And let me tell you something, that's something the Holy Ghost will do. He will change your heart about how you feel about other races, how you feel about other people. And so Peter, in the very next verse, he says, here's what the Holy Spirit has taught me. He's taught me not to call any clean, anything unclean that God calls clean. And then notice what he says here in Acts 10, 34 and 35. Then Peter began to speak and said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every Every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. That's what the Holy Ghost will do for you right there. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit will do right there. Notice, notice what Paul says in, first, or in Romans chapter 10. He said there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. You see, this has been a problem ever since the, the beginning of time. Racism has been a problem ever since the beginning. of. It's not a new issue. It may have intensified, but it's not a new issue. And Paul said, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone, we read it earlier in Joel, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And listen to what he said here in Ephesians 2.13. I, I just got to get this out this morning. Paul said this about us Gentiles. He said, we used to be so far from God that there was no hope for us Gentiles whatsoever until Jesus came and went to the cross. He said, but, that, but now you have been united 
because of your faith in what Jesus did at the cross. He said, now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. But he doesn't stop there. He said, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into what? One people. When in his own body on the cross, he did what? He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. My God, why would we build walls up that Christ has broken down so that we could be one in Christ Jesus? Oh, come on, somebody. Only the Holy Ghost can do something like that. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something about racism. It is a sin. Philip said it last week. It is a heart problem. And listen to me. It is the work of the devil. There's no, no sense in trying to sugarcoat it. It is sin and it's a work of the devil. That's why John, who preached love, love. John said this, in John chapter, 1 John chapter three, verse eight, he said, the one who does what is sinful is what, of the devil, because the devil's been sinning from the beginning. But he said, the reason the son of God appeared was to do what? Destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed, God's life, God's spirit remains in them. That is, when you do sin, the Holy Spirit that lives in you will convict you of your sin. And you're to repent and you are to confess that sin and ask God to forgive you of that sin. And thank God we have the Holy Spirit to keep us on track. He said, they cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are. And this is how we know who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who doesn't love their brother and their sister. That includes from every region across this world. Amen? Let me back up here just a moment to this scripture that I just scrolled through. Revelation chapter 7. John gets a glimpse of heaven. And he said, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude. This is heaven that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And what were they doing? They were standing before the throne and before the lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Now get this picture of heaven. You don't have white church over here and black church over here. Hispanic church over there and Asian church over there. No, every nation, tribe, language, and people were together around the throne of God, worshiping the lamb. Oh, somebody ought to thank God. You see, this, this, this is what Pentecostal churches look like. This is what we can expect when the Holy Spirit descends on us. 
And it's not just, it's not just with, with racial issues, issues, it's also your social level, your, your, your economic level. Even you know, when the Holy Spirit has empowered a church and changed their hearts, I know you're not gonna believe this, but even Republicans and Democrats can worship together <laughs> and love each other. And, and, and this is an even bigger miracle. Auburn fans and Alabama fans. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. That you can, you Alabama fans can show up week after week after week and listen to this Auburn preacher talk to you. Somebody, that's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, now, just, just stay with me a few more minutes. This is Pentecost Sunday. We only have it one time a year. So I, I feel like I got to get this to you today. Many of those in the crowd that day were bewildered and they were amazed. But not everybody was bewildered and amazed by what was going on. Not everybody that shows up to our church services are going to be bewildered and amazed. Look at what happened here in verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them. And said... <laughs> These folk, they've been drinking way too much. You see, they thought that because of the way that they were acting under the control of the Holy Spirit, and that's really what this is about, the control of the Holy Spirit, this verse is, because you remember what Paul said. He said, do not be drunk with wine because that'll destroy or that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And what Paul was saying there is whatever fills you is gonna control you. If you're full of hatred, that's gonna control you. If you're full of bitterness, that's gonna control you. But if you're full of the Holy Spirit, he will have absolute control of your life. And so some of them were looking at how these folks were responding and they were like, y'all been drinking too much. Y'all have had way, way too much, way too much wine. Now let me, let me just say something right here. Being under the control of the Holy Spirit, and this is so important. Being under the control of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you are out of control. I don't know how many people I've had tell me, and it's usually with the utterance gifts like tongues or word of knowledge or things of that nature. That people are like, I, the Holy Ghost just hit me and I just, I couldn't control myself. I just lost control. That doesn't make sense to me because one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. I mean, come on. And you will notice, you will notice even here in this passage that the moment Peter got up and started to preach is the moment they stopped speaking in tongues. So they had control. J just because you're under the control of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're out of control. Now, if you're one of those people that feels like when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you, you just absolutely lose control, then lose control in children's ministry. <laughs> right? We need some folks who will just say, oh, I couldn't help myself. The Holy Spirit came on me and I just had to go work in children's ministry. <laughs> or what about giving? 
the Holy Spirit came on me and I just couldn't control myself and I just kept giving, giving everything I had. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not making fun, I'm not making light. But to be under the control of the Holy Spirit is to say, not my will, but your will be done. It's to walk not according to my flesh and what my flesh wants, but it's to walk according to what the Holy Spirit wants for my life. I follow his leading. I follow his guiding. I follow his direction. And, and, and I got to move on here because notice, notice what Peter does. He stands up with the 11 and he raised his voice. Go ahead and start playing a little something here or I'll preach all stinking day. Um, this is the same guy who just a few weeks earlier in front of a little teenage girl would not even admit that he knew who Jesus was. Three times he denied him, but now that the Holy Spirit has come upon him, he stands in front of those same people. He stands up and he speaks up. Man, Holy Spirit, enable us to stand up and to speak up. And he addressed the crowd and he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me say this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. Now notice, he didn't deny they were drunk. He just said, they didn't get drunk the way you thought they did. He said, these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Of course, I know some people that would say, so? He said, no, look at this. He said, no, this is that, that Jamie read about just a few moments ago. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words, what he prophesied in Joel 2, 28, 29, it's now about to become a fulfillment or it has become a fulfillment. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Everybody say all people. Now, some of y'all are gonna have a problem with this. Your sons and your daughters will do what? Prophesy. Your sons and your daughters. We have got to get past the idea that God can't use both men and women in the ministry of the gospel. <laughs> your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. You listen to me, I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are, the Holy Spirit still has something for you to do. He does. And you know what? You don't have to push the old people aside for the young people to find a place to minister. You don't have to push the young people aside and give the old people space. No, there's room for young and old to be used by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then he goes on and he says, even on my servants, both men and women, I'm gonna pour out my spirit in those days and they, they, Men and women, they, they, they shall prophesy. 
Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, once we are in Christ, we're one. There's no Jew, Gentile, no slave, free, no male, female. We all children of God. Paul, you find him over and over and over commending men like Timothy, Barnabas, others because of the impact that they were having on the world through ministry. Ladies, Romans 16 and 1. Paul says, I commend to you our sister, Phoebe, a deacon in the church. Oh, no. A woman serving as a deacon in the church. That's all the way back when the church was first born. And then we want to get together and argue and debate whether or not and what the role of women is in the church. Let me tell you something. My wife and any other lady in this building here today, under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit and being in Christ, you're as qualified for ministry as I am. Do you hear me? Amen. Stand with me. Paul goes on in this passage and Paul preaches the gospel. And the Holy Spirit convicts the hearts of people. And it says that those that accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. You go back and read Peter's sermon. It wasn't as good as this sermon you heard today. It was just simple, basic gospel. And 3,000 people got saved. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Ghost that was present in that moment. And do you know what those first 3,000 people did? They went to every corner of the world. Thank God somebody came to us with the gospel. But they went to every corner of the earth. And I love it that when in Acts chapter 17, when they got to a place called Thessalonia, the Thessalonians, listen to what they said. They said, oh Lord, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Oh, oh my goodness. Wouldn't that be great? If folks in our community, when they see us coming, saying, oh Lord, them folk that are turning this community upside down, here they come. Here they come. Team, would you come out? You know, I got, I got my old cell phone here with me today. You know something about this cell phone that drives me crazy? is every night when I go to bed, I have to charge it. Because it runs out of power. And so I have to plug it into the power so that it can recharge. 
in order that it can fulfill its purpose. It needs a fresh injection and infusion of power. Jamie said it earlier, we've been through a lot over the last 18 months. Some are weak and some are weary. You're like that cell phone. And you and I need to understand, every day we need to be charged up as well. Every day we need to be taking time to connect to our power source so that we can continue to be and continue to do what God's called us to be and do. So I want you just to close your eyes this morning and lift up your hands. It's still just 1140. And I want you to say, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. somebody in this room here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's really what Pentecost is all about. It's the gospel being shared so that others can hear it, receive it, and as a result of the Holy Spirit filling your life, changing your heart, and sanctifying you and making you holy, helping you to be like Jesus. If there's anyone in this room here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've drifted over the last 12 to 18 months, maybe being disconnected from church for a while and being disconnected from the people of God. Maybe you've drifted a little bit and you need to renew your relationship with Jesus. Either way, would you just lift up your hand? I'm not gonna ask people to bow their heads and close their eyes. 
You shouldn't be ashamed of this. If you don't know Jesus or if you've drifted and you want to come back, reconnect with him today. God bless you. I see you. I see your hands. I see all of these hands. If you just lifted up your hand from your heart, from the sincerity of your heart, just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Come on, everybody, say it with me. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you demonstrated your love for me when you left heaven and came here to this earth. You lived a perfect, sinless life. You died on the cross for my sins. You were placed in a tomb. But three days later, you rose again. And I believe you're alive today. And I believe that you are right now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And that you've been praying for me. And today, Jesus, your prayer is being answered. You said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. I'm calling on you, Jesus. Save me. Save me. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't you just give the Lord a good praise right there. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.